filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Ladies and gentlemen, the theme song is back, and I'll tell you what, Dan O'Brien is back. It is week two, Game of Thrones, a.k.a. Wall and Dragons, episode two, season seven. And the amazing thing is that, true to my prediction, I tried to uh, market the, the episode last week, Dan, and I'll bring you in in a second, and I was blocked by Facebook because HBO wouldn't let me use the phrase uh, Game of Thrones. And by the way, I've got a poor connection with Dan here. So, oh, there he is. I'm here. I'm here. Dan O'Brien, there he is. Okay, well, anyway, Dan, um, hell of an episode. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I mean, and that's the beauty of the the uh, wine wall and dragons is that we're all still di- we're all still digesting what we just saw. Uh, all uh, none of our all our thoughts are half baked. Uh, if you're looking for careful consideration and study of what you saw, this is not the place because this is coming right off the top of our heads. Yeah, it's 10.06, and the show ended at 9.58. So we, we had a couple minutes for you to mix a cocktail, um, got myself a little glass of water, made sure that the uh, old computer worked, and here we are. So we're we're less than 10 minutes from digesting, and let's just start at the, bo- at the bottom of the show, the back of the show, because they, they made it seem like at the very beginning of the show – that Daenerys Targaryen could basically choose how she wanted to right. to take a she could take Winterfell soft or she could take it hard she could take it from the left or the right the east the west and all of a sudden they found a way by the end of the hour to make it seem like you know what her plan is in the dumpster and it's on fire Cersei yeah, still got it apparently uh, not, we didn't think she would go quietly but no. it did in the beginning of the episode it makes you think like it is a foregone conclusion it's just how they want to go about doing it. Um, and that is – by the end of the episode, you realize there's still, still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, let me give you an analogy that's popped into my head. As we all know, I'm a bit of a budding tennis fan. Um, Ro- yeah, I did. Roger Federer, 36 years old, winning majors, hasn't won majors in five years. Everybody counted him out, and all of a sudden he's lighting up his rivals. I would put Cersei Lannister in the same category, which is here we are thinking she's got nothing left in the tank, and oops – uh, Urine Greyjoy, her new, her new, her new beau, if you will, just wiped out the Sand Snakes, just wiped out his his niece and nephew, the Greyjoys, and, and, and the guy, the actor, called it uh, earlier this afternoon on Twitter. Why don't you start with that with a little hot take, Dan? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going on Twitter, just checking out uh, the day's news, uh, and I see a, a name. Somebody had retweeted a name that I do not recognize. It is a some some European name. I couldn't even pinpoint the country saying uh, uh, that tonight's Game of Thrones, there will be blood. That's all I can say. Um, so I had to Google who the guy's name was. Turns out it's the guy who plays Euron Greyjoy. So you, we knew something was going down with the Greyjoys. Not shocking, because as I said to you right before the episode, one thing that popped in my head right after last week's recording is that there was way too many Greyjoys on the board yeah. right now. There are three Greyjoys in big control, and that's too much for just a small Iron Islands. That, was gonna, that herd was going to get thinned down quickly. And boy, did it ever. And real quick, before we move on to something else, Gavin, the fact that you are a budding tennis fan is something I did not know. And somehow, I'm not sure why, it makes you less interesting to me. <laughs> I, I can't explain it, but that's it's strange. 
All right, well, we'll leave it at that. That'll be for another time because we, we have we have a every week thing here for the next four or five weeks at least, so we'll get to that. I will rebut that, sir. But in the interest of time, uh, I just want to say to that actor, uh, way to hype your beating up on three to five women in your siege of that boat, by the way. So uh, he was playing – you're in Greyjoy, such a man, he was playing in the ladies' division tonight. In fact, the only person who didn't fight back was his eunuch nephew, Theon, who decided to go man overboard, goalie Han style, <laughs> and uh, just live to fight another day. We saw him doing a little uh, Leo DiCaprio on the water, hanging on to some flotsam and jetsam and hoping for the best. But – Cool fight scene, didn't see it coming, and I'll tell you why. Because Ara Greyjoy was about to get down with Eliana Martell in a little lady-on-lady intimate time, and then all of a sudden, that gets ruined for a firefight on some boats. It was, it was a hell of a shift of mood, if you will. Yeah, it was, and I think my favorite part was at the very beginning, when the, the ramp, the plank from the, uh, the attacking ship comes down and crushes somebody that was on the deck of... Uh, of uh of our ship. ship, yeah, and that was him. On the, and that was your, your, your and Greyjoy himself on the on the on the bridge, coming down hard. That's why, even though yes, he did fight primarily women tonight, which is although the Sand Snakes are formidable. Oh, they were doing work. Yeah. The Sand Snakes were doing some serious work for a while on that boat. It just, if anything, it proves how dangerous of a guy your and Greyjoy is. Basically, you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, it's not, I'm not saying I under. Uh, underestimated him, but he has now proved himself to be one of the most dangerous in the that entire world. Correct. He's come from out of nowhere to being maligned as a Mick Jagger wannabe to basically taking out all of Dorne and all of his rivals on on Pike in the Iron Islands in one fell swoop. Now I want to ask you a quick question. Not to, I don't know if we want to dissect the whole last scene, but since we're already into it, yeah, cool. Uh, the were you surprised by uh, Theon's choice to, uh, to of flight rather than fight when it came to saving his sister? You know, the longer the longer they let him kind of deliberate, the more "quote unquote" dramatic they made that moment. The more I was like, "This dude's jumping off the back of the boat." Uh, yeah. I felt it. I'm not. I'm not trying to be like Mr. Game of Thrones here, but the more they made it dramatic, the more I knew he was going to run. He was reek. He is reek. Ramsey broke him, and that proved it. Now, the one thing I will say is he did live to fight another day. Will that come back to help the Daenerys cause, the the against Euron Greyjoy cause later on? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing that he could come back in like the last episode, last scene in the last episode and murder somebody who's about to do something. Who knows? I, I think we may not see him for a uh, for a, a long while, though. Well, speaking of guys we haven't seen in a while, uh, how about Hot Pie making a shot back tonight? Hey, hey, hot Pie. Everybody loves Hot Pie. Well, and I, I bring this up because people would say, well, well, yeah, Hot Pie got a nice little cameo. Good to see him and all. Hot Pie may or may not have, have actually redirected the entire course of what was going to happen next, though, because Arya was riding south. She was going to kill Cersei, who's on her list. Her kiss is on her list. Um... We've seen her very sneakily knock out the entire Frey family, so she can do things like that. And instead, she learns that Jon Snow is actually now the king of the north. They've retaken Winterfell, and she decides to ride north. So Hot Pie, though he hasn't been on in like four years, may have turned the entire tide of the momentum against Cersei. And oh, by the way, now she's winning on, you know, naval battles. Uh, Hot Pie might have turned this thing. Right. I, yeah, I agree. And I, I was very, uh, very pleased to see him. Um, one thing that is a little, I think it's like Game of Thrones syndrome, and I feel it every time somebody, a character like Hot Pie, 
or even to, you know Sam Tarley. Whenever they're too good, I are, uh, automatically immediately start to, to wait for the for them to die violently in the next. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I do know that when Hot Pie finished his scene and just said uh, his last words were "I'm a survivor." I feel like they might as well put a nail in his coffin right there. Uh, I don't. I think the next person to come into his tavern is going to uh, give him a violent death. Yeah, I was going to say there's probably going to be a, a cash register robbery attempt at the very least at the old Crossroads Saloon, if you know what I mean. Yeah, something like that. Also, one problem I have with that scene, and I don't like to nitpick a, a show that's entire fantasy, and, uh, but the the fact that Arya hadn't didn't know that the entire that the Ward of the North had changed from Ramsey Bolton to Jon Snow, or that there was this giant battle that nobody that that she she had not encountered anybody that talked about that. She spent a night with Lannister soldiers in a camp, and they didn't know it, or they didn't talk about those guys. Didn't them. seem to know much of anything, but they knew they knew about the phrase, and yeah. that happened. Yeah, I guess so, man. I don't know, but the bottom line is she needed hot pie to validate it. Let's put it that way. I'm ready to move the story along, and we got a chance to see Hot Pie. I hope it's not used against us, and they don't toy with our emotions by just murdering him violently in some way. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was over Hot Pie. I didn't need to see him. I haven't seen him since 2013. I was good on Hot Pie. but And now I've let him back into my home. Yeah, now I'm back in. There's a glimmer of hope that he and I might end up together making making pies together. Not romantically, just, you know, cooking in the kitchen. And he may make a, meet a violent death next week. Gosh darn it. All right, well, this, this, actually, this goes into a theme that you and I talked about you know, during the week, the last time we recorded, which is anybody who's a villain right now could end up being a hero. Uh, I think anybody who looked like they were overconfident and ready to take King's Landing could end up dead. Um, what was your biggest, who, who made the biggest shift this week in, in terms of uh, either becoming more dangerous or becoming maybe less dangerous? I, I didn't see any real hero turns this week. No, and that the only true hero in the story as of the end of episode two, season seven is Jon Snow right now. He's the only one who's purely motivated by the greater good. He's the only one who's doing things, you know, like always making, trying to make the right decision for everyone or, you know, for the community, everybody else is motivated by selfish values or evil values or, um, you know, so that makes me nervous for him again in this game of Thrones syndrome that, his death could be coming. I don't know. Yeah, here's what I'm very worried about. He's going to go to the south. Uh, he, he's going to go meet with with, with Daenerys, Targaryen, excuse me, and, and that's going to – we can get into that as we get into that because that hasn't really happened yet. But we're leaving Sansa and Littlefinger basically to rule the roost at Winterfell. And I'm just going to go with a super-duper immediate hot take, which might not even take fruition until episode seven, which is none of those people have seen the White Walkers. Okay, right. they're still worried about fighting against wildlings, swearing fealty to whomever. There's only you know, king in the north, blah blah blah, north of the north. Let's be let's be so ultra nationalist in our north. And John, the only person who's seen these things up close, is riding south, which is good for John. Really bad for the people in Winterfield not becoming ice-filled zombies in the next five weeks. They're, that's my call. My hot take is they will be zombies by the next five weeks. They will be White Walkers. I I have a sense. I mean, yeah, I, I I have a thought that there's a good chance Jon Snow might not make it back to Winterfell for a long, long time. Um, That's fair, and I think I think Peter Baelish is going to be uh, the hand of the Night's King in the next three, four weeks. 
What do you mean he's gonna he's gonna get killed and turn into a white? Woman? Yeah, I feel like they're gonna be fighting against wildlings, fighting against themselves, not taking it seriously because they do not know the enemy with which they are dealing. They are the first castle after the wall, after East Watch by the Sea, and I can just see. Peter, Littlefinger, Baelish, thinking he's so damn smart and trying to treat with the Ice King and being done. The only way I can see that, now I'm going way off script here, the only way I can see that not happening is if Bran somehow gets to Winterfell. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, he's not very mobile right now. No, he's going half a mile an hour being dragged by Mira. Yet somehow escaped the Night's King. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to go back on that. Don't want to dwell on that. Anyway. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if that's gonna that's as in the near term as you think it's gonna be because I feel like the, the when the walkers get to the wall, that's gonna be the finale of the season. Them either getting over it or getting to it. Okay. Uh, I don't think they're gonna get to Winterfell this quick in like the next couple of episodes. That's that's fine, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I just don't see Peter Baelish ending this thing as a non zombie. That's fair. I hope so. And I will also say that my least favorite storyline in this entire thing is the Sansa Littlefinger, uh, Jon Snow love triangle. It's, it, it's icky. It's gross. I don't like Littlefinger. It creeps me out. I'm not even necessarily rooting for Sansa because she's never – outside of those couple of seasons where she – like you rooted for her because she was being so tortured. Yeah. It wasn't because she, she was the, – the, the series started out with her being kind of unlikable. No, you, you made a really good point, which – well, you've made two really good points um, in the last week. One of which is heroes can become villains. Villains can become heroes. Nobody's truly good or truly evil. I think Sansa had a big upswing in seasons five and six from where she started. And, but at the end of the day, she, she is who she is. And the choice that she chooses is usually the wrong choice. Yeah, even if she is completely right about John leaving Winterfell – can can her and this is on John as much as it's on her. Can they can they uh, talk about things a little bit before they get all the leaders in the room? Yeah, you know when I when I'm at work and I'm not like a very successful business person, but I hold down a job. You know, whatever. If if we're meeting with people, if we're meeting with people who are outside of the sphere of folks who've already talked about it, we usually want to be on the same page when we do that. Yeah, that's all. It's a little business one on one. You know, I mean. <laughs> Just a little, just a little, hey, Dan, when we go on the podcast, um, you know, don't do this, that, and the other thing. Now, we don't do that because we just, we're freestyling here. The show's called The Phil, it's a freestyle. But when I'm at my day job, which is like, if I was the, the Lord of Winterfell, that's my day job, I would talk with Sansa first and be like, hey, maybe you don't cut me down in front of these people. And, oh, by the way, get Baelish out of here. He's a creep. That's right. Just like Danny has her, her, you know, she has got a council of like six different people, six, seven different people. She's talking to them, getting everybody on the same page. Why is John not doing that with, you know, his six people? Why has he got to bring a hundred people into the room and then Sansa starts shouting him down? Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, he, hopefully, if he learns anything in Dragonstone, it's management style from his cousin slash aunt slash whatever she is, half Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, he's got swordsmanship down. He just needs management. Here. He needs management skills. You know, communication skills. All right, speaking of communication skills, our girl, the Red Priestess, Melisandre shows up at a little place called Dragonstone. And Melisandre, who is the C-3PO of the bunch, the, the translator, yes. allows the interpretation that in High Valerian, it is not that the Ralor is, is, is the prince to be named later. It's the prince or princess, only one word. So Danny learns that her fate could be the fate that aligns with the red, you know, what's the, 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 the Lord of Light, right? That's a big development. 
Agreed. I, I, when she walked in, I kind of rolled my eyes. The only thing I wrote, I wrote to Melisandre's back on her BS. I got to see her again. Um, and, but it ended up being pleasant because it's the first... And when you think about from the beginning of the episode, this was like 10 minutes in, it's the first connection between Danny and Jon Snow. Yes. And when you figure by the end of the episode, he's on our way to go see her. Yeah, they're really, as you said earlier today, they're really fast-tracking a lot of stuff now. Which is which is great. And, you know, it, when you look back on episodes from season two and three where, you know, the stuff that happened in tonight's episode would take a whole season, five seasons ago. That's correct. I mean, they are really up against it. Now, speaking of, 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 of uh, translators and speaking of eunuchs, um, we had... Uh, our first ever, I believe, um, eunuch and non-eunuch um, experience on in, the sh- in the history of the show. Uh, Grey Worm finally admitted his feelings, if you will, for translator Misandra. Um, and I- I- I'm really worried about him coming back from Casterly Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I'm glad they got to have a little intimate scene. I'm glad they got to find an- a unique way to do it because obviously eunuchs, you know, can't do some conventional things. But um, ni- nice to see, to see the romance happen, but I also feel like it was kind of like Rocky and Adrian before the fight in Rocky Three. Like, he's about to get clubber langed. Oh, it's 80s slasher flick film rules that uh, once a couple, you know, uh, lays down with each other, somebody's going to Someone's going to get it. And I don't mean in, a, in an erotic way. I mean like in a death way. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it, but I, I think that it looks like in the, from the scenes from the next that the uh, the unsullied get to finally get to Casterly Rock there's going to be a battle i don't have high hopes for gray worm i think he's going to get it um, i also am okay with that because this character's been hanging around for a long time as a, as a friend of ours sent a text uh, during the episode correct that gray worm had more lines tonight than uh, than he has you know in the entire series that's right and that made me notice that I don't really care for Grey Worm's accent. Correct, uh, and, that, and, and also that this is probably the, this could be the end. Yeah, his accent's a little put on. I'm okay with not hearing it anymore. Uh, I'm fine. And props to our boy Dan Ruddle for that observation. Um, yeah. What do we think about Tyrion's strategy? Okay, we know. We, now, spoiler alert to everybody, including ourselves. We now know that um, he wasn't counting on Euron Greyjoy smashing the plan to go to Dorne and get the Dorne soldiers. So that part of the plan stinks. Fine, but. <laughs> Before you knew that, did you like the idea of basically doing a siege around the city and starving Cersei out? No, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Not only did I not like that idea, uh, I said that, uh, hold on, you'll find notes here. Oh, the measured siege approach approach will fall apart immediately. I wrote that as the scene was going on. Um, And it did. They didn't get a chance. They didn't get a chance to lay siege. It already has, and you can see by Danny's actions and by Lady Olenna's advice to, for her to be a dragon and not be a sheep that the second anything, any obstacle came in any of those plans, dragons direct challenge to Danny, and she's gonna she's gonna unleash the fury. She's gonna do it uh, soon. And what I like about this, see, now we're actually we're dealing with we're dealing with two things coming from two different directions towards King's Landing. Ultimately, mm-hmm. one is White Walker zombies, one is flying reptiles with fire. Right. And, and at the end of the day, those two things are probably the real things that are going to fight the real war. But I still love that people, like for instance, Euron Greyjoy and Cersei think that they're ballers because they killed like the Greyjoy kids and the Sand Snakes. When the dragons come to Winterfell, 
sorry, when they come to King's Landing, Cersei's not going to be feeling so good about a little naval war in the old Blackwater Rush, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's kind of the insider thing that it's, it's fun for, for the viewer to know, and it, some, it could minimize the impact, but for some reason it doesn't. Like, we all know what they're fighting over doesn't matter at all. Doesn't matter, like, you're, what Euron and Cersei and even Danny are fighting over. The only real battle is John knows what the real, real right. deal is. White Walkers are coming to kill everybody on the entire planet. Right. Um, but for some reason, I'm still thoroughly enjoying this, uh, this little battle. Oh, it was an excellent gamesmanship, for sure. Uh, you know, I didn't see it coming, and it was pretty sweet. And and, and if you noticed, um, Euron Greyjoy did take some prisoners. He's got Elia Martell, who poisoned Cersei and Jaime's daughter. Uh, oh, they are going to... They are going to have some fun with her. Not going to be pleasant. Yeah. And I believe they probably saved Yara Greyjoy, too. He did not kill her on screen. Yeah, if they don't kill die on screen, they probably didn't die. Um, so he's got her. And it's so, not going to be great for her either. So he's got some really good presents, and it looks like he's going back to a, a really nice concert. Now, um, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about Sam Tarley's dad, <laughs> Randall. Randall Tarley, all of a sudden, get a lord of the Lord of Hardhorn or whatever it's called, all, Horn Hill, all of a sudden getting potential warden of the South offers from Jamie Lannister. Right. Well, uh, yeah, very. He is a highly respected knight comes from a, a respected family and that that was part of the reason why Sam was such a disappointment early on to him because they're they're kind of a big deal down in the south they're a big deal they're a big time family but you know he's got fealty to the to the Tyrells but he's got fealty to the crown and the Tyrells are obviously rebelling against the crown any hot takes on what Mr. Tarley does I think he's I think he stands strong in the south uh I don't know I, I feel like uh from the beginning to the end of that 90-second scene, where in the beginning he was talking about Tarly don't, Tarly's are loyal, Tarly's yep. don't, whatever. I think by the end of that 90-second scene, he there was cracks in that that veneer that he was thinking about fighting with the Lannisters. Well, he's starting to think about putting on his business card, Warden of the South. That's kind of tight. Exactly. And I, that was, yeah, that, that was tough to see. But also, how else... That's the only way that the Lannisters can keep a force going is if they get the Tarleys because the, the entire South is against them right now. But if they get the Tarleys, then that's something. That's a beginning. That's a start, especially now that they have uh, – what's her name? Right. And now Dorne is in complete upheaval. I mean everybody's dead. All the leaders are dead. Yeah. So is, Yeah, that's true. I mean except for Elia Martell who, by the way, is going to be tortured and just bad things are going to happen to her in the King's Landing. She killed, the, she killed Jamie and Cersei's daughter. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. That's not going to be good. I so like the only like real leader that's on the what you consider the good side is Lady Olena. She's on Danny's council, kind of. Right, but it sounds like she might lose her one of her key supporters and Mister Tarley. So it's all you know. It's yeah. It's they found a real way to get the deck unstacked really quickly. Um, I will Lady Olena real quick. She had, she had a couple good lines tonight, and I think she would have. She played an important role in refocusing Danny. Yes, uh, you know, not getting too. In, whenever Danny gets into the, uh, the the political part or the government part, it, it's not a good thing. She's a general, you know. Um, and I think Lady Olena has been a breakout character in the last couple of years because she comes in, has a scene every two episodes, 
and she's like the Judy Dench from Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> she is Dame Judy Dench. She yeah, really is. She won Oscar for like a seven-minute performance. Um, I feel like she's really moved stuff along. She's she's uh, talked people some hard truths when she's had to in the last few seasons. Uh, and I really enjoy her work. I just like to say that. Fair. And, and I let me take this opportunity because they had that conversation around that giant table made of wood shaped like Westeros. Right. And all I want to do is to say to any of the carpenters out there, can I please have a Westeros-shaped coffee table like the one they have at Dragonstone? I will pay for it. I want a mini version, obviously, because I can't pay for a whole oak tree. But how cool would that be? A Westeros-shaped coffee table. You're welcome, it, HBO. It, it can be particle board. It doesn't have to be like a nice uh, whatever plywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need, again, I don't need to be oak. Yeah, it can be follow particle board. That's fine. Totally fine. <laughs> um... Again, not to nitpick the show, but the Raven got to Winterfell pretty quickly from uh, uh, I mean, you, uh like you know how fast Ravens move. Good point. Ravens everybody knows that Ravens fly at at least the speed of sound. My fault. You're right. Like uh, could, could you even estimate how many miles they had to go? Nine hundred. <laughs> Would it be three thousand? I think it's like nine hundred miles. I'm gonna go with that. Alright, for all of you hardcore viewers who know the mileage or kilometers of Westeros, please uh tweet Tweet Gavin. At Gavin Viano, teach me a lesson or two. It's all good. <laughs> okay, let's let's segue to lessons or two. Sam Tarley is like the Bill Gates, uh, Mark Zuckerberg of the Citadel. He's like, I'm not going to graduate. I'm not going to figure it out. I'm just going <laughs> to learn what I want to learn and become a billionaire and get get it right faster. Sam, Tar- Sam Tarley's learning a lot down there. He's doing it all basically illegally. Uh, he's definitely trying to operate on Jor- Jorah Mormart's disgusting, disgusting skin. That was the hardest scene to watch for me. I don't have a strong stomach when it comes to that. Guy. No, me neither. That was the hardest scene to watch since The Passion of the Christ for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try to argue with you on that one. It was very disturbing. When they were whipping Jesus with metal hooks. Not cool. Not cool. Was not cool, and that was as disgusting to me as... Jorah's skin being ripped off in front of me, the gray skin. I couldn't. That was horrendous. They did the pus thing, and they were right all up in there. My favorite part, besides the fact that they decided that they needed to show the procedure being done instead of just starting it and cutting away, which is what I would have opted for, is that Sam started like right over his heart. <laughs> right. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to start on your shoulder and like ease you into this. Let's get let's get into it. But also, it was incredibly painful. To do the little bit that he did, and then there was like at least 90% of the job left to do. I don't know how Jorah's going to make it through that without waking up the monastery, waking up all the Meisters. It seems like it would take more than an evening, too, to do the whole whatever. We don't even know what he's let doing. Me get, I mean, let's put it this way. If I wanted to get a tattoo removed, I'd have to go back three or four times. Grayscale's a little bit more serious of a problem on the old dermis. Well, maybe, maybe the, the thought about doing starting at the heart was like, hey— if this isn't going to work, we might as well get this over with quickly. We might as well know. True. Instead of putting in, putting in eight hours and then having him. Well said. Well said. Get after the heart while you can. Good call. Okay. Yeah. Sam uh, is doing the, the Lord's work across that country, though. He's, I mean, he killed the White Walker. He's the one that found out that Dragonglass kills them. He's the one that's getting the message about Dragon. Like, he's saving the world. Yeah, no. He's, like, uh, he's yeah. like Google He's like Google Maps. He's bailing you out of trouble all day long everywhere. You could argue, even more so than Bran yet, although I think Bran will play a larger role, Sam has done the most to save the world from the beginning than anybody else. Correct. 
I'm not saying that's 100 percent true, but you could definitely argue. No, you could argue that when he when he here's a really good analogy for a guy like you from Philadelphia who hates the Boston Red Sox. Uh, JD Drew made like 60 million dollars. <laughs> he made like 60 million dollars playing for the Red Sox. He had one meaningful hit, but it was a grand slam to cap a huge three to one comeback in the ALCS and send the Sox to the World Series. It was a 60 million dollar grand slam. Yeah. Whenever Sam makes like a hit record, he goes like triple platinum. Okay, like you said, he accidentally killed a White Walker with Obsidian. Figure that one out. He's letting John know about the obsidian, and now he's going to cure grayscale on a grown man. No big deal. And he saved little Jilly's baby. There's like six other things I feel like. We're and really he made, he, you know, he got Gilly, yeah, he got Gilly cleaned up and looking good. I mean, that's the least of his, his, his miracles, but I mean, you know, Gilly's having a great life. Little baby's having a great life. Craster's bastard. I mean, it's all good. Yeah, and that's why I expect him to die soon. Or to be the king at the end of this thing. Oh, sorry. It's a big accident in my house. I just kicked something over. Oh, no. Well, you know what? It's good. It's more like action-packed that way. Um, okay. Let's 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 look. we got a couple more things to get to here. What do you think of the whole— We're, like, we're doing the episode totally backwards, by the way. I think it's going okay, though. Yeah, I like it so far, so good. Why, why go— Why It's more It's more of a free-flowing conversation. We, yeah. Here's the thing. Was that Nymeria or not? The wolf? I have, that was a big old dire wolf. All right, this is the thing, that the Stark, the five Stark kids. Plus John. Including the, the, the Beastard. Uh, they had five wolves. Not Six wolves, wolves. And they were all psychically connected to them. Right. They, they could, they yes. I don't know if they know it or they've all learned it, but they could work in and out of them. Yes. So is it me or did she say it wasn't her? Is that At the very it? end, yes. Because if that... Which means there's another direwolf roaming around. Is there a second, another one that's still alive? Well, yeah. So let's let's go Not through. A, a John Snows. Well, there wasn't there wasn't Ghost. Yeah, and that's it, the only other one. It's Nymeria or Ghost. All the rest are dead. Well, because we saw yeah we saw Rickens got killed right. Shaggy yeah. Dog got killed. I'm I'm just wondering if if Brands did Brands get killed or is Brands got killed in uh, the door episode? That's right. Hmm. So maybe that's like the offspring of some. I mean, that that if that was either Nymeria and they haven't connected because they've been away for so long. Think about this. Let's get really meta for a second. Arya to spend two years going through the uh, the black and white school of becoming a girl is no one. Right. Maybe, maybe she's just telekinetically not connected right now to my Nymeria because she's been spending so much time not being herself. Really throwing that out there on the spot. But what the hell. I don't. I th- I think that's a good theory. I don't think it's true. I think that the dogs are or the wolves are so connected to the, each of their kids that they're that they're connected with that Nymeria would have known. I don't know what direwolf that is. I'm happy there's more direwolves out in the world. That makes me that, that makes me happy. Yeah. And hopefully that direwolf tells the real Nymeria that what's uh, up. Her gal is is in the woods, and hopefully they can get this false connection leads to a real connection shortly. That's really all I'm looking for some closure on either who the heck this this, this direwolf is, or can they get word to Nymeria through howling at the moon? Yeah, just pass the word on. Yeah, just let me okay. know. Just let me yeah. know. Uh, we touched on the kind of the fact that Jon Snow is a little too into protecting his his sister from Littlefinger. Um, I don't really want to touch on that much. Let me let's let's do some wild speculations instead. Oh, great. It's my favorite type of, type of speculation. It's the only kind, really. Um, how do we think John and Danny's first visit's going to go? Uh, 
Because we're getting that next week, it looks like. How about this? I'll counter your question with a question. Perfect. <laughs> how, from their meeting, which is, pro- who knows, it, it seems like it's going to happen next week. I don't know how, if we'll see the whole scene, or maybe you could end with them walking in to the throne room at Dragonstone. Either way, I fee- how long after they meet face-to-face that they find out that they're half-siblings? Well, based based on how quick based on how quickly things are going, I think two weeks max. All right. I think if it was two seasons ago, it would take it would take two seasons. Yeah, and I I think that the meeting's gonna go well. The on, the only variable is it's not John. He's a pretty steady person and relatively easy to read. I feel like yeah. If you're if you're like minded, you can see that he's pretty good right in the beginning. Um, he's not gonna throw any curveballs at people. Danny. Judging by the way she started out tonight's episode, can start. Uh, she's. I feel like they've been planting seeds for her being a little more volatile each week for the last year or two. Yes. Right. So that it could be like they're planting. There's a little bit. They're just planting seeds. There's a little bit of that volatile Targaryen in her that I think is growing and growing, and I think it's going to come to fruition at some point near the end of these series, but we'll see. That's fair. And I think a couple things. One, and this was pointed out by Mallory Rubin on Bill Simmons' podcast, and she's she knows her stuff. But eh. Daener- well the thing is Daenerys <laughs> they, they you just made you made the same point basically, which is Daenerys keeps mentioning and burning people and mentioning burning people and tonight had a really interesting conversation with Varys about loyalty and all that and was like, fine, sounds good, but here's my promise to you. Dragons aren't going to eat you. Not going to cut off your head. I'm going to burn you alive. Like she's looking to pyromance some people now. But here, here's here's what I think John could do. I'm not saying it's going to happen. If he can convince her that the real battle is at the wall, and that the dragons need to go to the wall to kill the White Walkers, that's a way that she can actually make Westeros feel appreciation for her, right? So Olean, Lady Olen is telling her to be a dragon. Okay, fine, but. The real war is, is is above the wall, and the dragons can and, and the dragon glass can kill the dragons. So John, what Jon Snow's got to do here is he's got to put his charming pants on and be like, "Sweetie, I'll bend the knee as long as you come up north and kick some ass with me, because we got some zombies that are going to ruin the whole kingdom. Why don't you take care of them, and everybody will love us?" I don't know if that's going to happen, now, but here's my that could happen. That's that's his goal. That's what that's what should happen. There is no way that she is. Going across the earth and getting to the to to whatever Blackwater Bay, basically can see the Iron Throne from where she's at in whatever the castle's called again, Dragonstorm, Dragon, Dragonstone, Dragonstone, and then doing a quick turn north to go up to the Wall and defend something she barely had ever heard of before. No, I totally, I, I totally agree, but that 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 will be his play. I guarantee. You know what's going to make it harder is that when she does do this siege on King's Landing and it turns out it's gonna, she's going to have to do it with more of her men yep. now that Dorne is more volatile and not necessarily yes. all. Yes. But they're going to lose a dragon. Well, yeah, because we got... She's going to lose at least one dragon. Right. Kyber got crossbow, giant crossbows and whatever the heck else he has. Um, Maester Kyber. Um, yeah, Kyber always has something up his sleeve literally and figuratively. I mean, it's really good. He's t- he's the Steve Bannon to Cersei to Cersei. He's got <laughs> what an analogy! He really silent is silent in the background. Nobody really knows what his education history is, or where where he's come from, or what he's doing day to day. 
but he always has a has something to a, a little piece of gold to drop at Cersei's feet when she needs it. Yeah, um, he's. I'll tell you what. If if Sam Harley is the most effective force for good, you got to maybe give that guy the most effective force for evil. Kyber, I I would completely agree. You figure all the stuff that he affected, and that includes getting the mountain back to life. Who's kept Cersei in power? Cersei would not be in power right now if it wasn't for the mountain. The mountain also killed Oberyn Martell. That changed everything. everything. Yep. Uh, the, the yeah. Dragon fire, Heath, the the sept, all the you know. Yeah, I would say that's a very that's a very good point. Kyburn is the low key worst person in the kingdom. No question. Most dangerous. Perhaps. You know why too? Because he's just he's doing crack, crummy, creepy stuff because he he likes it. Like he's like, what can I do today? That is super sneaky, super effed up. That's going to ruin any chance for good. Yeah, he's he's just a total creep for the sake of it. Right. That's he's it. a real he's a real jabroni, but worse than that. Family show. Not going to swear after our little incident last week where I used a scientific term for a part of the body that just never should have happened. Listen, that got tough. Gap. That was tough for everybody, for the listeners. <laughs> For me, it got uncomfortable. Well, I was very tired. I've been traveling all over the world, you know, in search of great Game of Thrones stories. Let's finish it with uh, Sam Tarly, Jorah Mormont, because I actually think the way, and it might be two, three weeks away, that Danny and Jon Snow are going to get on the same page, if, if it's not love at first sight, and by love I just mean connectivity, um, it's going to be the combo of Jorah and Sam, who are both kind of like made men in, in the other, in each of the person's, you know, stables. Yeah. Yeah, true. So I think uh, if Jorah Mormont is like, you sent me away until I can get cured. Sam Tarly cured me. Sam Tarly is Jon Snow's boy. Sam Tarly has told me what Jon Snow has seen. It's real. We need to go get some dragons and burn some zombies. I think, to your point, Sam and Jorah are not done yet. I think they're they're going to be the reason that Danny and Jon get their crap together eventually. And different. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Jon Snow still carrying around the Mormont family Valerian steel blade? Jon Snow definitely has that. Yes, he does. He's the Bear's yeah. blade. That's his, that's Jorah's father's blade. Jorah's father's blade that he gave to that he gave to Jon Snow, and he's still carrying around. So when they see that, I mean, come on, dude. That, we just we just I think we just cracked the case. Not to get too overconfident, like uh, <laughs> Daenerys's crew on their. Pleasure voyage over to the to take over King's Landing and whoops, oops. But I do think that Jorah and Sam Tarly are are the reason this thing might work out. Which makes you think it's going to be a bit of an odd couple. They're going to have some tiffs, some misunderstandings, some zany mix-ups, and because of communication, someone's going to steal somebody else's ramen noodles when they're drunk at night. It's going to be weird, but it's going to work exactly. out. And it's no, but it's going to be on the the verge of like storming out and being against each other. And here comes Sam and Jorah to come in and give a pep talk to everybody. And that's going to unite the group. Which seems far-fetched until you realize that everything Sam touches turns to gold. Yeah. Yeah. So so I feel like we're jinxing Sam. He's totally going to die. <laughs> Way to cover your bases, Dan. True experts always cover their bases. <laughs> He's so dead. Uh, but again, who's gonna, who is the next person to die? Before we leave, who who is going to die before the episode's over next week? Okay, let's let's stay with your theme that John and Danny aren't going to get off to the best start. Right, I agree. Melisandre showed up a little before Davos. Melisandre oh, yeah. hates Davos. Your boy's going to die. I'm sorry, it's going to happen. 
Davos Seaworth, if Melisandre kills him, the Onion Knight, one of the only pure good people out there, outside of like a Hot Pie or, or, or Sam, if she kills him, I will be furious. I know you will be. And I'm sorry I had to bring it up, but that's what I think is going to happen. I won't be able to do the show afterwards without cursing. Well, that's okay. We'll, we'll do a spoiler alert. We'll do a disclaimer. Okay, who do you got going next? Hot Pie. Gone. <laughs> so convenient. I love it. Nobody says I'm a survivor and lives. That's, that's that's totally fair. Not everybody knows this hot pie. If you were a survivor, you wouldn't have said it. You're a dead yeah. man. <laughs> like like Tywin Lannister said, if you have to say you're the king, you're not the king. If you have to say you're a survivor, you're not a survivor. Darn right. All right, man. I'm gonna get out of here on that. Next week, week three. So much is happening so quickly. It's really, really great stuff. Well, I mean, just a, a, a quick heads up to you and possibly the listeners. I don't know if this will make a difference at all, but I will be in Nantucket next Sunday night for after the after the showing. I don't even know if I'm going to be available. I I'll be available in body. I don't know if I'll be available in spirit. Come ten o'clock on Sunday night in Nantucket. So we'll have to work out the details of that, you and I. Well, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. But that's actually a really interesting problem to potentially have because uh, I know the people that you're going with and there could be several loud noises and opinionated folks. Uh, fall down that thunder on you. Like, it could go great. It probably will not. Well, hey, it's episode three. It will be a couple more after that. All right, man. I'll stick around for a minute. We'll catch up. Wine Wild Dragons, which means filibusterfreestyle.com. You can check out the blog on it. You can check out on the, on the site. Follow us on Facebook because even though they blocked us on fa- on Facebook from from trying to promo uh, the Game of Thrones name, it's Winewell and Dragons. Philbus Freestyle's all you got to know. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks for having me, Gav. All right, everybody, have a good week. Watch out for the dragons. Philbuster Freestyle. That's the end of the podcast, folks. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Peace.